right, greetings, and welcome to a, another edition of Ed Choice Chats. Today's episode is going to be a little different. Uh, we're not going to be talking necessarily about the new research study that's coming out, or if you're used to my Cool Schools podcast, we're not actually going to be talking about Cool Schools. Um, this podcast is part of a new series that we're doing where we look at school choice and education policy in pop culture. Um, hello, youths. <laughs> Hope this is interesting to you. No, we are. Uh, we were talking. It was actually a really fun conversation that we had around the office one day. Was thinking about different ways in which we can sort of talk to people about school choice. You know, we spend a lot of time doing research, but that can be kind of inaccessible. We talk about politics, and that turns a lot of people off. So, what if we talked about it via um, pop culture? Because it actually pops up in a few different places. So uh, Katie Brooks, who you're you're able to see us here uh, on camera, she is actually behind camera right now. We might spin what? No, we're not. Okay, we won't spin it around. Um, she was the mastermind of all of this, and she actually sent an email list around to the office and said, you know, what would you be interested in writing about? And I, I have to say, like, basically, like, as soon as she hit send, I think <laughs> Abby and I – uh, shop back like the West Wing. We should totally talk about. We should totally talk about the West Wing. And so this is part of a longer series where other people talks about the. We'll talk about the shows that they are passionate about. But uh, I am joined today by the one and only Abby Hayes. <laughs> now you may not be as familiar with Abby if you listen to our podcast, but if you get our emails, uh, basically if you get any form of communication from us, Abby played a large part in making that happen. So she does all of the work getting out our ideas, both good and bad, uh, to the the broader world. So, Abby, it's great to be on the podcast with you today. I think yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. So so maybe we'll start with the West Wing in general. So when did you when did you start watching the West Wing? Why do you like the West Wing? Sure. I'm kind of a latecomer, actually. It finished up in 2006, and I'm just now on the last season. I started watching it during no my spoilers. maternity leave. Right? No spoilers. <laughs> Um, I started watching it during my maternity leave about 18 months ago and have just sort of been slowly working my way through. It's a nice comforting show to put on while you're watching the dishes. It is. They, they're walking and talking. And it's just great. It's the, the orchestra rises yes. and falls. Yes. And all of the characters are just – I just love how character-driven it is. C.J. Craig is my favorite. Really? Yeah, I love C.J. I'm trying to think. I think I may be – I think I'm a Sam Seaborn guy. Yeah, Sam I like his, great. I like his optimism. I like his idealism. <laughs> sure. Um, and it's interesting because this is actually a, a perfect sort of segue – because what we're going to do is talk about a couple of these uh, scenes from the West Wing that actually touch on vouchers. And it was something as like an, an education policy dork um, that <laughs> bothered me about a lot of the West Wing with respect to education. Mm-hmm. Is It seemed like they did these really deep dives in a lot of other areas, but were kind of glib about education. Sure. So what was it like Jed Bartlett's big plan was like 100,000 teachers. I'm like, okay. And and even <laughs> I think where you're – have you gotten to the point where Matt Santos is running for president? Yes. And his big education idea is like go to school for more days. Right. And you're like, can we do a little bit more than that? But <laughs> one of these places where they actually met with some nuance was talking about school vouchers. Sure. And um, my personal favorite, Sam Seaborn, is about to uh, discuss them. Mm-hmm. So the, the first scene that I think we're going to look at here is Sam debating Mallory. And right. is Mallory is, – does she have the same last name as Leo? Does she have a different last name? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's one Not of those. Sure. But anyway, so Mallory, Leo's His daughter. daughter. Sure. So that's – uh, her aunt – also shows up in the series because I think she's supposed to be the superintendent of the Atlanta Public Schools. Yep, I'd forgot about so that. clearly public education, really yeah. big deal in the yeah. McGarry family. 
Um, so, so we'll kick this one off and we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. So this is Sam and Mallory debating school vouchers. Yes. And just for context, Sam wants to take Mallory out on a date. Yes, that, so. is, that, is a very, <laughs> that is a very important bit of context to this. Tax dollars should go to fixing public schools, not aiding the shipment of students to private schools, many of which are religious. And by the way, I don't know how you're getting around the separation of church and state on that one. We have people on the payroll who are experts at obfuscating the Constitution. So I've noticed. Anything else? Oh, yes. We've been here for an hour, Mallory. School vouchers provide help for only a few students. We're offering a solution for that. You're offering a lifeboat to the select few for whom vouchers will make any kind of difference. Mallory, everything you're saying makes sense. I just think that the state of urban schools is such that if you can save even one kid... You can save more than one kid. Tell me how. By asking Congress to approve not just a little, but a lot more money for public education. (laughs) What? Public education has been a public policy disaster for 40 years. Having spent around $4 trillion on public schools since 1965, the result has been a steady and inexorable decline in every measurable standard of student performance to say nothing of health and safety. But don't worry about it, because the U.S. House of Representatives is on the case. I feel better already. Wow. (laughs) Wow, indeed. (laughs) So, right, so the other bit of context here... I think he's going to show up later. Yes. Is that Sam doesn't actually believe what he's mm-hmm. saying. Um, for reasons that somewhat escape me, he's not letting her in on the fact that he doesn't actually believe these things. He's basically trolling her. I think he's basically trolling her. Yeah. I think that's I, right. I actually remember watching this scene because I'm pretty sure it was really late or I I think I was still on maternity leave at the point. So I hadn't seen like regular people for quite a while <laughs> and I was watching it and I got on Slack and I was like oh my gosh Sam Seaborn is arguing for school choice and then later I was <laughs> like yeah, he, he turns this around so maybe let's talk about uh, some of that stuff so what what stood out for you um, in, in that with the arguments that they were making oh sure the constitutionality thing is one that comes up a ton we hear about it all the time separation of church and state but ultimately what the Supreme Court has ruled is that vouchers are giving parents money and then parents are deciding to pay the money to private schools that may or may not teach religion based on their own preferences. So it's not like the government is forcing anybody into church-led schools. Yeah, for sure. And I think the same thing's true. It's people take Medicaid dollars to religious hospitals exactly. and they take Pell Grants and the GI Bill to mm-hmm. religious colleges. So it's yep. that it's the it's the exact same idea. I was thinking of one it's interesting that she goes to, you know, Congress needs to appropriate a bunch of money <laughs> right. to save schools. So part of right. it it's like well, Mallory, and it's weird like explaining this to a to a fictional <laughs> character, but Mallory, you know, it turns out the federal government actually spends a very small portion of mm-hmm. all the money that's spent on education. Most of those yeah. dollars come from states and localities. So even if the the federal government doubled or tripled or quadrupled the amount of money that it spent, it would actually be a very small portion as opposed to what what everybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what Sam says is true, too. We have seen that school budgets and per-student spending has gone up enormously in the past several decades, and results haven't gone up as well. Yeah. I mean, I think – and that's the that's the challenge. We've done some great work here. Ben Scafidi, back mm-hmm. to the staffing surge. You know, I'm I'm totally open to the idea, and I think that there is some compelling research that obviously money and student sure. outcomes are related to one another. Sure. But ultimately, it comes down to how that money is being spent – and like what Ben has been able to document pretty well is when we see these large 
increases in funding, a bunch of that money gets spent on administrators and support staff and people that we, I don't think we have a plausible reason to think that they would necessarily directly affect student learning. Yeah, so, yeah. So Mallory, I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> Listen, I'm not opposed to spending more money right. on education, but – Using the federal government is like the bluntest tool to do that. And if we're going to do this, maybe we should think about how we're spending that money sure. and trying to leverage it yeah. towards uh, towards kids that need it the most. Yeah. And the other thing that stands out to me in Mallory's argument is that lifeboat argument. And that's one that sort of touches my heart a little bit. I live in a pretty low-income community. A lot of the families in our area are stuck in underperforming public schools or just schools that are not a good fit for them. But there are a lot who are able to use Indiana's voucher and go to schools like the Oaks Academy, which we've featured on our podcast and on our blog before, that does an excellent job of educating kids from diverse backgrounds. And so for me, it's like, yeah, Mallory, I understand maybe we're not reaching every single kid in my neighborhood, but the ones that we are, it's making a huge difference for them. And that's work worth doing. Totally. It's totally easy to say we shouldn't have lifeboats when you don't need the lifeboat, right? It's like, as long as you're talking about other people's kids, it's right. But like when those kids have names and faces um, and potential, you know, maybe that lifeboat looks a little bit more more appealing. Exactly. All right. Do we want to go to the next clip? Sure. All right. Right on. on. Sam's gonna pull a bait and switch on us. Uh oh. Oh, this is the this is the debate prep one. Oh, that's is that the wrong one? Oh, there, clip two. This there one? it is. Okay. Yeah. This is the rest of. So this is picking up on their debate later. Yes. This is where the the ruse. Mallory drags the, Leo into the it. The ruse becomes <laughs> apparent. Yeah. Hold on, please. Dad, I'm sorry, but Sam asked me to have lunch with him, and I need your permission. Hang on. What do you need my permission to have lunch for? Sam? She says she always asks her father's permission before she has lunch with fascists. Oh, yeah, okay. He's in favor of school vouchers, Dad. No, Mallory, he's really not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. I read the position paper. It's opposition prep. Opposition prep? When we're gearing up for a debate, we have the smart guys take the other side. You stood there and argued with me. Yes. Why? You made an appointment. Sam! Would the two of you take it outside? I thought you were trying to drive a wedge between us. Yeah, but now you're just boring the crap out of me. Hey! Mallory, education is the silver bullet. Education is everything. We don't need little changes. We need gigantic, monumental changes. Schools should be palaces. The competition for the best teachers should be fierce. They should be making six-figure salaries. Schools should be incredibly expensive for government and absolutely free of charge to its citizens, just like national defense. That's my position. I just haven't figured out how to do it yet. Look at that look. Look at that look. That's some acting right there. Yeah. Okay. So how do you respond? What do you see in there? Other than obviously the very clever ruse that ultimately, I guess, worked. I think it worked, at least temporarily. (laughs) We'll see, Sam. Yeah. Um, I think that we agree with Sam that education is a silver bullet. Like, that's that's why we're here. We're here because we think that this makes a difference. And we think that things need to change. We just think that that needs to be done through means other than the federal government turning schools into palaces. <laughs> That's the thing is it's sort of – it is a sort of interesting, this idea of like we want schools to be palaces. I'm like, actually nah, – Some of the best I, schools that I know of don't for sure. have fabulous I want, facilities. I want awesome instruction happening. Yes. Which kids – obviously I want schools to be nice and safe well, and whatever. Sure. But that – when if I were listing my things of like what I want schools mm-hmm. to be, like palaces wouldn't necessarily be at the top of the list. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then they talk about teachers. And again, I think that this is important. There's been a lot of this uh, stuff in the news recently, teacher mm-hmm. strikes and others, that in many states across the country, teachers are totally getting a raw deal. Yeah. And that they are not being paid what they're worth and we are not putting the value on them that we should. Sure. And I think that's like full stop, absolutely true. Yeah. The, and you say this as a former teacher. I say this as a former teacher myself and from a, a whole family of teachers. Yeah. Now – that said, we have to think about what types of systems might better lead to higher teacher pay, yeah. right? Yeah. And one thing is that the more money we spend that gets eaten up by the bureaucracy, mm-hmm. federal bureaucracy, state bureaucracy, district bureaucracy, even sometimes within school bureaucracy, that's yep. less money that can go to sure. teachers. And so in some ways I want to say, Sam, like, well, there there may be a better way to get to where you want to go and that is to try and cut down on a lot of this bureaucracy. And one of the reasons I like school choice and why I think school vouchers are actually a good response to the argument that they're mm-hmm. making here is they promote more efficiently operated schools, sure. the schools that that participate in them. If you go into your average voucher receiving school in the state of Indiana and you look around for a bunch of administrators or a bunch of sort of mm-hmm. other stuff there, you really don't see that mm-hmm. as often. And you we've see... seen that in charters too, yeah. that they've definitely come up with some operating efficiencies yeah. there as well. And so for me, as much as possible, if those dollars can be pushed down to the teacher level to actually sure. be spent in the classroom, sure. then I think that that's something that we should yeah. definitely support. And that's been something fun, too, with your um, Cool Schools podcast. I um, go through the transcriptions of all the podcasts, so I'm totally on top of them. And so it's just been interesting what teachers have come up with, different ways to do education that is not possible necessarily within the public system. Or if it were, it would take a lot more pushing and a lot more work and you'd still be more restricted as opposed to going starting your own totally. private school. That's totally. awesome. The teachers are doing incredible things. I think that's a great point. And, and that all of these rules and regulations, stuff that we write on schools, all get stacked on top of one another, right? So we have federal regulations, and we have state regulations, and we have district regulations. And, <laughs> and teachers and administrators that are trying to do their best to keep up with that get caught up in all of that. Yeah. They have to spend a bunch of time just complying with all of the different things. They have competing mandates. It's a mess. So you know what, Sam? Maybe that's the silver bullet. Maybe let's try and cut some of that stuff out. And one way to do that might be school choice. Just throwing it out there. All right, we good to go to the next one? We're good. Okay, this next one is a short one. Sir, you oppose a voucher system that would offer children a choice of better schools. That would offer some children a choice of better schools. But I haven't given up the ghost on better schools for everybody. And vouchers drain money from that goal. Boom. 30-second answer. <laughs> there it is. Sure, sure. Right? So yep. this was this is that scene where they're looking for all the different – they're trying to find those yep. little quick they're answers to things. pretty hard. And it's interesting, though, because this is an argument that I think we still hear yeah, totally. today. So how do you – when you hear that, what does that make you think? Well, I think there's two pieces to it. One is the financial piece, which we have tons and tons of data on. The other, though, is this idea of better schools for all children. And when I hear that, I think that – People have this idea that there can be one perfect school that fits every kid, and that's just not the case. I have two kids of my own. Um, My son is really young. He's not school age yet. But there's a pretty good chance based on their personalities and how I think they're probably going to learn that they'll wind up at different schools. And it doesn't mean one school's worse or better than the other. It just means one's a good fit for my daughter and the other's a good fit for my son. And so I think when we talk about that, we don't necessarily talk about better schools and every kid being able to go to the perfect zip code assigned school. We talk about better fit for individual kids. For sure. 
And it's always that line of what's it? I haven't given up. We have the we have the transcripts here. By the way, turns out you can look up West Wing transcripts <laughs> and you can search for all of this stuff. Someone took the time to digitize all this, even though from like the way the website looks, it looks like it was a few years ago. Sure. But good for them. So it's I. Uh, that would offer some children a choice of better schools, but I haven't given up the ghost on better schools for everybody. It's like, well, again, sort of like Mallory and her lifeboat. Well, like, that's easy for you to say. Sure. When you, uh, yeah, governor, what was it, governor of New Hampshire yeah. and congressman and has the, the turkey carving knife from Paul Revere. It's like, <laughs> when these things are all this abstract idea, yep. sure, it's like, oh, they, and again, and we can, we can talk about like it doesn't drain money right. from public schools. Right. We've we have done so much research, just like what you said, yeah. um, showing that in these cases, district states can be financially better off as, mm-hmm. as a result mm-hmm. of this. But yeah, this holding out this idea for this concept of public education yeah. at the expense of actual children, yes. right? So yes. like there are actual children who want a better option, and for this abstract ideal. They would deny them that. Yes, and I think, and I think your point is right that that he's speaking from a position of relative privilege. And mm. I love Jed Bartlett; he is one of my favorite people in fictional life. But he is speaking from privilege, and I don't think that he knows that until the next scene that we're going to draw. And actually, perfect, this is a perfect segue, segue. <laughs> Abby. All right, we're playing the last one. This is a longer one too. Yeah, and this shows up in two parts. Yes. So to set the stage, this is. The mayor of Washington, D.C., and Josh Lyman discussing school vouchers. Yes. And this is similar to what actually happened, yes. right? This is, this is playing on real-life events that were near this time. I don't yeah. know the Yeah, dates. right around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So the president wants to issue a joint statement with you opposing the voucher rider on the snow removal appropriation. But I want the money. Oh, we'll get it for you eventually. We'll just have to go through at least one round of the president vetoing it in order to get them to send us a clean bill with no vouchers attached. I want the voucher money, too. Huh? I'd like the president to sign the bill with the vouchers. Mr. Mayor, he's vetoed every school vouchers bill they sent him. I know. But this is just a pilot program. Little voucher experiment. Help pay for maybe a couple hundred kids to go to private school out of 68,000 in the D.C. public school system. We're against vouchers, period. And by we, I mean the entire Democratic Party. You're still a Democrat, right? (laughs) This bill got four Democratic votes in the Senate and 42 in the House. Look, it wasn't my idea to put Congress in control of the D.C. budget. Then help us fight them on this. Why don't you help me get some kids a better education? I'm sorry, Mr. President, but we can argue this all night and I'm not going to change my mind. Again? I'm not the only one. My school board president changed her mind, too. Jenny. Scott. She's in favor of vouchers now? She used to rail against them. After six years of us promising to make schools better next year, we're ready to give vouchers a try. We're ready to give anything a try. You start handing out tuition vouchers for private schools, sending the message that it's time to give up on public schools. With all due respect, Mr. President, no one gets to talk to me about giving up on public schools. I assume I'm the only one in this room who actually went to public school. And you couldn't be a better advertisement for them. Kids weren't bringing guns to school in my day. 
Republicans want to spend more on D.C. education, they should spend it on public schools. We spend over 13000 per student. That's more than anywhere else in the country, and we don't have a lot to show for it. But if we start diverting money away from public schools, that's the beginning of the end of public education. This is extra money the Republicans will give me only for school vouchers, nothing else. They're just using you to try and divide the party. I'm the only mayor in America whose budget is controlled by Congress and the president. And you guys never miss a chance to play political games with the city I'm trying to run. Your Honor, I'm not trying to tell you how to run your city. Yes, you are, Mr. President. Congress is, too, and I resent it. But this time, they want to give me money for something that might actually help some students. I'm sorry. I don't know how to refuse that. This is a pilot program? Enough money for a couple hundred students. I have a few thousand names on a waiting list for vouchers already. Go into any one of my schools. Ask kids who want to go to college what they think of vouchers. They'll ask you where they can sign up. Could you ask Charlie to come in, please? Could you tell us where you went to high school? Roosevelt. A public school? Yes, sir. Where'd you want to go to school, Charlie? Gonzaga. A parochial school near Union Station. Why? There's never been a shooting there. They don't even have metal detectors. Almost everyone goes to college. Couldn't afford it? Couldn't come close to affording it. You know what this meeting's about? Yes, sir. The mayor told me. What do you think about trying an experimental voucher program for D.C. schools? I wish they would have had one when I was in school. You planning on telling me that anytime soon? Can't say that I was, sir. Your Honor, I'm going to need your help putting out some fires within the party on this one. You got it. Thank you, Mr. President. Look at the nod. Uh -huh. The nod. Charlie. It's great. So, <laughs> so a little bit of history might be helpful here. So this did mimic what was actually going on mm -hmm. in, in the district. Um, and just like in this story, this uh, the, the policy or the plan that was put out was new money. It was part of... Uh, D.C. reform package that they called the three-sector solution. So it was okay. additional support for traditional public schools, additional support for charter schools, additional support for – or the creation – excuse me, the creation of the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship okay. Program. So in, in many cases, as, as is brought up here and is true in Washington, D.C., it cannot drain – it, by any stretch of the imagination, doesn't drain money from the public schools because it's a completely separately funded. The the right. public schools don't lose money, and in fact, in different voucher programs around the country, depending on where they're how they're structured, in some periods, school districts are held harmless or are held harmless for a, a shorter period of time, or some for longer periods mm -hmm. of time. So there mm -hmm. are actually lots of mechanisms that are put in place such that when students leave with school vouchers, that they don't necessarily feel the same financial hit. But this sure. uh, the, the, the story is a little bit different because at the time, George W. Bush was president, so it was a Republican president that was happening, but it was a Democratic mayor, Anthony Williams. But his subsequent uh, the subsequent mayors um, and numerous members of the city council approved it. The, the longtime teachers' union leader, George Parker, um, actually changed his okay. mind on the issue, that was someone familiar. who was definitely against it, but has later on realized um, on, on the other side of the issue, uh, is now a pro-school choice person. Also, an incredible amount of parent organizing that went on, the great Virginia Walden Ford, mm -hmm. um, who is a friend of the family here, um, led an incredible campaign of, of parent organizing in order to make all of that happen. So so life imitates art, or in this case, art, art imitates life. Mm -hmm. But so so 
How did that make you feel? I saw as Charlie was talking, you were smiling. So. Yeah, I think Charlie hits on what a lot of what we have learned when we talk to parents who are who either want to choose their own school or who have chosen their own school. A lot of times when we get wrapped up in education policy, we're talking about test scores and attainment. And parents aren't using words like that, and neither are students. Students are talking about safety and parents are concerned about safety and they're concerned about the environment of the school. And that's what Charlie hits on. He's not concerned about academics other than people graduate and go to college, which says something for the academic record of the school in question. But he's not talking about standardized test scores. He's talking about, I would go there and I would feel safe and I would probably have had an easier time going to college. And that's a really big deal. And so that just... It just gets me every time. <laughs> no, for sure. And, but this this is sort of the counterpoint to what we were talking about earlier with the Sam and Mallory debate, mm-hmm. which is this is intensely personal. Yeah. So this is an actual student yep. who went through the system saying, I would prefer it to be different. Yeah. And you have your abstract. And, and again, and I, you know, I, I think the president in the earlier parts of it kind of throws out those concerns. Like the minute – Money goes to vouchers. It'll be the end of public education. And you're like, look, there's lots of states and, you know, the state of Wisconsin, Florida, these programs have existed for a long time and they still have thriving public schools that are all part of it. Um, I think that yeah, this this idea that it's like the the one brick in the wall and suddenly everything starts crumbling. Like, <laughs> actually, what we found and from a lot of careful research of this is that private school choice programs actually have positive benefits yeah. for the students that are left behind in public schools. Yeah. I think there's lots of reasons to think why that's the case. Who leaves with a voucher, a student who maybe isn't doing so hot in mm-hmm. the school where they're in before and they want to have more opportunities to go somewhere yeah. else. So that means the students that are left behind in the traditional public schools are the students who want to be there, yeah. who the school is working for. And those other students have an opportunity to find a school that works for them. Yeah. Well, and too, as um, school vouchers and other forms of private school choice have become more popular and charters have entered the scene, as all of that's happened, we've seen a lot of innovation at the public school level for too. Sure. Here in Indy, we have a huge robust magnet school system. And there are a lot of fabulous options. Not all of them are a good fit for every kid. Like there's a Montessori option that Montessori is not for every kid. For sure. Um, But it's fabulous for the kids that it works for. And my own daughter is in a public magnet school right now. And it's a great fit. Totally. So that's that's definitely something to consider. And and it is more about environment and fit and safety and all of those things that we tend to talk about a little less, I think, than just the sheer test scores and outcomes. Absolutely. So as we we think about these things, remembering Charlie. Yep. That's what we should do. Yep. Whenever we're talking about uh, school choice, and, and look, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody falling into this, uh, really talking about it in terms of abstractions. Sure. These things, really remembering to focus ourselves. We're talking about actual children, yeah. living, breathing children with yeah. hopes and dreams and potential that we should be doing everything possible to put them in the best learning environment yeah. for them. And personally, and I, I – I don't know if you share. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> but if that's a private school, a public school, a magnet school, a charter sure. school or whatever, I'm all for it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Whatever works best for the kid and the family, for sure. Yeah. And I think I love it. I just love this scene, especially played back to back with that one where they were doing debate prep. And we talked about how President Bartlett is speaking from a position of privilege. And I think he doesn't really realize that he doesn't understand what the situation <laughs> is on the ground. And then he talks to Charlie, this kid that he loves and trusts. 
and and that changes his mind immediately. He doesn't even say anything about it. He's just like, you see, I you guess see we're doing like, this now. You see the bricks crumble where he's like, he's like, oh, you're a great advertisement for public schools. Yeah. And immediately like, would you want to go there? No, I'd want to go somewhere else. Yeah. And he's like, uh, my goose is cooked here. Yeah, like, this yeah. isn't, I'm not going to win this one. And to the president's credit, when he gets that opportunity to look at the real human consequences of the kind of ideals that he had, yeah. he changes his mind. Yeah. And yeah. says, everybody you know, needs a Charlie. Everybody needs a Charlie. <laughs> I think that's a great way of thinking of this. When we're talking about school choice in the future, think about Charlie. Yeah. It's great. It's great to be Sam. I love Sam. Mm-hmm. I'm all about this sort of idealism. It's great to be Mallory. I mean, Mallory plays a public school teacher in this. Yeah, and finally, she's totally, fiery. And... Totally fiery. And, and I imagine was a great fictional public school teacher. <laughs> sure. She was awesome at it. Um but it's really important to remember Charlie and to remember the mayor's words that we are talking about real children with hopes and dreams and potential. And we have an obligation to them to give them the opportunity to find the best school that fits them. Yeah. And if that might be – that might be schools that we might not necessarily choose for our children. Yeah, for right? sure. Um, but that they find best for them where they thrive, where they feel yeah. safe, where they're going to meet with success in the future. Yep. Well, look. I like it. This was super fun. Did you enjoy this? Yeah, this is fun. We should totally do this again. We'll pick some <laughs> other thing where the Venn diagram of the pop culture that we love overlaps with yes. one another. Um, so for everyone who is listening and watching, if you're still listening and watching at this point, um, thank you for still being part of this. We're just enjoying ourselves here um, talking about uh, the West Wing. There will be more podcasts in this series. So as always, subscribe to our podcast. Sign up for our emails. Yeah, please do. See, this is, this is where Abby will start – <laughs> See, even Siri wants you to sign up for our emails. They want to find relevant podcasts. And you know who can help you do that? Abby and our email list. So make sure to sign up for that. You can get all the content that, that uh, best meets your needs. Exactly. Just like schools that best meet children's needs. We're all about that here. So thanks so much for listening. Abby, thank you thanks. so much for, for doing this. This was, <laughs> thanks, this was super fun. Take care, everybody. <laughs>